This is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Josie. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. This week on The Great Equalizer, Sam made a boy and now she's in love. Charlene is tired of being tired. And we're talking corporal punishment. Jokes! But we do chat to discipline guru Derek Jackson who gives us some tips on how to wrangle our kids. Hello! How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm good. Yeah. Just, just... Just just good, but we'll get into our weeks a little bit later. I just have a story to share Let's with you it. and our listeners. So, I went to a double whammy party um, a couple of weeks ago with Elijah. We had a party in the morning, party in the afternoon. So, um, obviously, by the time we get to our second party, mom's looking a bit worse for the wear. <laughs> it was also um, an alone weekend with Elijah. Ray was away on business. And, um, yeah, so we had, uh, I was actually grateful for having something to do in the afternoon, but I mean, you can imagine we partied out after the morning's party and then get to the second one. Well, get to the second one and God bless this friend, um, of mine, whose son's party we went to because she somehow makes friends with legit models. (laughs) (laughs) Like they just, she finds herself just... And then they're her friends. But like mo- like people who are paid because they're good looking and sexy and can walk runways. And one is an IMG model who used to like do runways in... Mm. Yeah, no, listen. And she's stunning. What a stunning person. Is she, is she nice though? She's no. lovely. Okay. She's lovely. I'm listening. Okay. <laughs> but that's not the model I'm talking about. There's another model. Freaking FHM model. Like sex bomb of note. She is... The Mila Kunis of South Africa. At this party? At, at a kid's party. party? Yes, and I'm looking at her and um, the friend introduces me to her. Oh, this is her. She's a model, but also she's a mom blogger. You guys will get along great. And I'm going, fuck <laughs> sakes. I look like trash. I feel <laughs> like I've been run over by a train. And she not, not only is she stunning and lovely, but also she has two kids. And the body of a 16-year-old. And I'm just like, fuck you. You know, Shoot this me is... me in the face. Now, I can't Now, deal. we know <laughs> our, our motto is no judges. But as a woman, is it ever possible to be in the midst of these um, beauties and not feel this small? Mm. Okay, but I'm getting to... To the point of Because I'm also story. thinking, I'm just thinking from my own point of view, like I go to a kiddie's party, I'm just like, oh, you know what, it's okay if something's out of place or... I, because I we're all moms, it. We're right? all moms. They'll get it that no one's going to judge you there because we're all in this thing together. <laughs> Only to show up and you're like, <laughs> superwoman moms. No, yeah, like, <laughs> come on, come on. Ah. So I'm just like, Sam, you know what, don't be rude and don't be judgmental um, and don't feel shit about yourself yeah. just because... You know, she can rock the hot shorts. Exactly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It mm. doesn't matter. You are still you and she is who she is. And, exactly. you know, let's just be kind. Be kind and lovely and gracious. And anyway, so going into the um, the party and 
eventually that particular woman um i don't really have permission to say her name i'm sure she'd be fine with me saying her name but if you want to get back to us and be on the show let me know you're more than welcome <laughs> so she um needs to change her toddler's nappy okay what's the age difference between i the think kids? they're like two the one just turned one and the other one's like three or four okay cool. i'm guessing right so similar to my kids yeah okay. so the Three or four-year-old is kind of like hanging around. I think they're both boys. And um, she needs to change the one-year-old snappy. All right. So typical party venue, you can't really – you have to venture quite far in order to change Mm. nappies. So she takes the one-year-old behind a a bush, like a ledge, and she changes the nappy there. I mean, we're all moms. We don't really care. But her four-year-old starts acting up. Oh, my God. And she's behind the hedge, and she can't see him. And the (laughs) – <laughs> she's with the one-year-old behind the hedge and the four-year-old is like standing in front of the hedge in full view of everybody pulling his pants down and kind of <laughs> just like swinging it around <laughs> and you can see she's like every now and then peeking over the hedge she's like is my four-year-old okay because she's the only one that's looking you know and like that's watching them and she's alone there with these two and you can see she, we've all been there, that frazzled mom moment that you're like, fuck, I don't know what to do. I've got to change this goddamn nappy. And you can see she's just like, and I'm just like, I'm going, shit, shit, should I help? Like, I don't yeah. know her kid. Like, I don't want to like, pull her kid and be like, come, let's pull up your pants. I don't know her that well. Yes. So I just thought, I, and I, there were a couple of other moms also looking and, I, and they're like, should we do something? And I was just, I just said, okay. If he really starts like running amok or like pooing <laughs> on the floor or something, or urinating crazy. on people's bags. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. I will go and help her, but I don't know her well enough to. So here, here we are. This is the great equalizer. You have a fucking FHM gorgeous model and a lovely person. And you, yes, your brain, when you meet these people, your brain goes, what the actual fuck how are you even just real is this real life (laughs) go away yes it is it is real life because at the end of the day pretty people also struggle with their children her kids don't give a shit that That she was an FHM exactly and and this beautiful you know sex pot bombshell they don't care she's their mom and they'll fuck her around just like our kids fuck us (laughs) they really do (laughs) cut you down to size that's why we have the great equalizer and that's why we have no judges. So, um, mutual friend who introduced me to this um, model, I'm sorry I was judgmental. Um, beautiful mom who is that model, I'm sorry I was judgmental. I see you and you are all doing a wonderful job. Nice. I like that story. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Because as much as we, I mean, we talk on this show all the time about how um, you just got to be real and think about the reality of the matter. We're all just moms. But even you and I forget that because, no, I mean, it's so hard. To, I would have felt just have, like yeah. you arriving at that party and be like, oh my God, why do I feel so inadequate? Yes. And we put that on ourselves often. Yes. And you know what? She's just a person. She's just another mom who's trying her fucking hardest that day and pulled the short straw when it came to having to change her one kid's nappy and the other kid was acting like a bloody hooligan. <laughs> Shame, man. I like that story. <laughs> <laughs> the great equalizer, man. The great equalizer. Yeah. So about our weeks, Charlene, are you kicking ass or getting your ass kicked? Oh, getting my ass kicked still. Mm. I have this damn head cold and flu and both the kids have it also. And w- what's nice is we had a little bit of time away at the coast and... 
got a bit of a tan and felt like I'm ready for this week. I need to arrive back at home and everything hits you at once. Work is just absolutely manic and there's not enough time in my week and the kids being sick. And I, I legit feel some days that I don't have control over anything. I mean, I know well, that's because you, you don't. I know you can't control life, but I mean, as much as you plan and have the best intentions, I just find myself feeling like everything's spinning out of control. I, I genuinely, especially when it comes to Josh at this point, I don't know if he's just going through a phase or if this is just, maybe he's just an asshole. Maybe he's just going to be an asshole <laughs> for the rest of his days. Yeah. But he can be so sweet also. Like, he literally, we went to a party on, a birthday party on Sunday, and um, he's so excited to see his friends, behaves like a complete dick to all the kids, and he's like, a, not aggressive, but like, almost like he's a little bit of a bully, like he'll pull things and throw toys and be mean to the kids, and I'm just like, people aren't going to want to be your friend if yeah. you behave that way. Yeah. And I can't figure out whether he's not feeling well or whether he's just tired or what it is. So I just always, I'm tired and I always just feel like I can't figure shit out. It's a lot of effort, isn't it? And I'm tired of trying. Yeah. I'm just can, sick and tired of being fucking tired. Yeah, can things time. not just be easy? I hear you. I hear you. So I'm having one of those weeks. And yeah. then I've got this head cold and I'm tired and I didn't get to half of the stuff that I aimed to get to this week. And you just end up feeling deflated. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> so that's my rant. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. We hear you. We see you too. <laughs> Next week will be better. Next week will be better. <laughs> Always be optimistic. How about you? Okay. Well, I told you I met a boy and I'm in love. Let's hear this. <sighs> this kid of mine... I know, he's at that age now though, but I mean, he's hard not to fall in love with because, oh my gosh, my heart just melts when I see him. Listen, he just, I, I can't explain it. I, I, in the first year, I was so stressed and so anxious and it almost felt like I was looking after someone else's child and periodically I had to remind myself, Sam, this is your kid and your responsibility. And I'd get anxious all over again. Mm. Like when I'm driving him, I'm like, I'm driving another human being in my fucking car. Sam, you better pay attention. And it, I was stressed. Yeah. I was super stressed that whole time. And it just wasn't lacquer, you know? Yeah. So um, now I'm just getting to it where I want to, I miss him. Yeah. And I wanna, it's not that like maternal um because I had that when he was a baby. I mm. definitely felt maternal towards him and I did miss his touch and his feel. We had gr an amazing time bonding, breastfeeding. Um, you know, I managed to do that with him and he was lovely as a baby. But I, I never shook that anxiety. Mm. This, oh my fuck, am I doing this right mm. feeling? I felt like that as well. I can totally relate to what you're saying. And there has been a switch that I'm like, this kid's pretty awesome. I remember I don't know that happening to me. Is it because they can, they're starting to talk and express themselves or um, you, you, you are able to play games and do fun things? Like it's I played like hide and seek with cool him. Your cool little friend. It's like yes. your best friend and it's like a tiny little human. Yes. And I think it's also because you see yourself in them and yes. you're like, I made this little fucking thing that I just want to take a bite out of. How cool is my kid? He um, woke me up this morning. Uh, Ray had to leave super early, so I was lying in bed with him, and it's like early in the morning, and he's coughing himself awake. He's got croup again. Um, but 
then I'm, my eyes are closed. And he's like, mommy. And I open one eye and then he goes, wakey, wakey. Oh, my <laughs> mother, man. <laughs> I just, I'm dying for this kid and I'm falling head over heels in love with him. I remember that happening. Yeah, it, it's around about this age yeah. as well where you're at with Elijah now. And I, I remember people asking me about how's Josh or how are you doing? And I was just like, every time I think I could not have more love for him, he yeah. does something and I'm just like... I'm so How awesome obsessed in love with you. <laughs> yeah. It's literally, I, exactly, I know exactly what you're it's talking so, about. It's so, so great. However, I mean, I hear you talking about Josh now and how tired you We're are. We're in the next phase now. I'm still very much in love so, with him. But, but he, he switches between being that person that I'm in love with, insanely in love with, literally from saying, Mommy, I love you, and wrapping his arms around my neck. And then I'm just like, could I just die now? Because mm. my life is complete. He'll let go of my neck and he'll punch me in the nose. And I'll be like, why would what you the do fuck, that? Dude? And he'll just be like, because I'm angry. Oh my God. I'm like, we don't hit when we're angry. We can talk about it. Yeah. I don't care. And then he'll spit in my and face. And then he's, yeah, Tasmanian spit, fucking devil. Spit. Who the fuck spits? I don't spit. Where do you see no. that? Yeah, so he'll, he'll, like, bipolar. So, okay, I'm, I'm not that um, naive mother. I know that winter is coming. <laughs> and we want to be prepared. So that's why today we are talking discipline. Please remember, what we say on this podcast can only be considered the gospel on planets Sam and Charlene, respectively. Our kids and husbands can be assholes and angels at the same time. And only we're allowed to say so. And lastly, by virtue of the fact that we are women and it comes naturally to us, we reserve the right to change our minds and or contradict ourselves whenever we so choose. And we don't want to hear a damn thing about it. Hashtag no judges. Charlene, were you murdered as a kid? I was <laughs> murdered, and at the risk of making my mom sound like a child abuser, I was murdered with whatever she could find. If it was a plucky or a belt or oh a God. yeah, she. I remember her once taking a plastic hanger and hitting me on the butt <gasps> until it broke because she was <laughs> so angry. But then I must also say, I having mentioned what an asshole Josh can be sometimes. He's so much like me. Oh. It's so bad. So, <laughs> so I, you're getting your own back. I can see. This is my punishment. This is my punishment for the kid I was. I'm telling you now. So, yeah, my poor mother, and she had three of us, and my parents were divorced. So, for the most part, I, I don't know how she didn't murder oh, shit. us. Yeah, yes. of course. So, my mom also did, but I don't even think I got that many hidings. I, I did get a lot of hidings, like enough. But just the threat of the smack was yeah. enough. It was like, no, mommy, no, mommy. No ways. But then, <laughs> I, is, is this how you behaved with your mom? And can you see that with Elijah not, now? Not yet. Not yet. Um, we, should, I don't know. I think when we were older, you know, she, would, she was the type of mother that would be like, um, I, I'm not going to... Turn around now, but when we get to where we need to get to, like if we're in the car, obviously, if we once we get there or once we get home, I'm gonna climb out of this car, and you're gonna get a hiding and you're gonna go to your room. Yes, and we'd shut up and we'd know that hiding is coming. Are you serious? Yeah. Or my mother would also count to three. Samantha, I'm counting to one. 
<laughs> and then you know, uh, then you get in line. Eh? My mom is fucking scary, <laughs> but she's little. She's like five foot two or something. She's a tiny human being, but wow. she's like a firecracker. You know my mom as well. I yeah, called blonde tiny, but yeah. I don't know if it is. Maybe I just wasn't scared by that. My mom could not tell me, listen, when we get out of this car at home, this is going to happen. She had to she had to do things there and then. Oh, wow. So she would, like, stop the car yeah. mid-highway or whatever and get out and fucking Yeah. Move. And then threaten to leave me on the side of the road. And I legit did that to Josh the other day. I didn't hit him on the side of the road, but I was like, do you want me to stop this car and leave you here? No, mommy, I'm a good boy. Oh, shame. <laughs> and then you feel so shit. <laughs> I think I think I'm going to try and take a page out of my mom's book because the threat of the punishment was worse, so much worse than the actual um, hiding. <coughs> Other techniques she would use is I was impossible. I was um, she would be like, "Go to your room, Samantha," and I'd be like, "With pleasure, lady." <gasps> and I'd go to my room and I'd play. And I'd be like, right. And she'd come in thinking I'm going to be all remorseful or whatever. And I'd be like there with having my Barbie. Having a while of a time. Yeah. So eventually, I think she took me to an educational psychologist or something. And eventually, it's the suggestion was that she needs to lock me in the bathroom. Like those single toilet bathrooms. And I would be like, what ifs? Okay. And what I did was like unravel the toilet paper. I put it in the toilet or something. I found a game with everything. And I, I don't think I, I was ever like, not the bathroom, mommy. I was like a little bitch. And I'd be like. Like defiant. I'll fine, be fine. Put me in the bathroom. I'll find I'll, something to do. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's exactly I don't care. what I was. One thing when we got older, what she did, um, her strategy when we bickered. My brother and I. So yeah. I've got a much... I always talk about my brother. I've got a much younger sister. Okay. That was a whole other kettle of fish. So when it comes to bickering, my brother and I got stuck into each other. And, um, like, she would she would follow through, hey? So she, she would proper ground us. He once tore my Leonardo DiCaprio poster, you know, that you get from the center of the U magazine. <laughs> he tore it. I lost my shit. And... Um, we were grounded, both grounded. He tore my poster, but we bickered so much about it and got stuck into each other so much that we were both grounded for all two weeks of that holiday and oh didn't get God. to see friends. And we, your mom was like, she does not budge. Unwavering, that's, that's unwavering. It. Yeah, even till today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose you have to be with kids because last night, Red and, and, I, works, Red eh? and I had a moment where um, we were just talking about discipline quickly I'll tell the story with Josh being the way he is we're also party training at the moment and I don't know if I'm not persistent or resilient enough with it so and I was chatting to my one all of my friends who have now managed to look like successfully party train all their kids so my one is the he's the last of the group okay, but he is the youngest he is the youngest but okay the kid that's two weeks older than him is party trained so let's just quickly take stock of the situation yeah <laughs> anyway so um, I'm giving him another freaking two weeks and then he's got to be on it so my friend who's a Montessori teacher said you also get to a point where you realize with them that they know what they're doing so you have to be like you you can't push them too hard because you don't want to traumatize the party train traumatize them by the party training experience because you run the risk of doing that as well but at some point I suppose you have to be like you are being naughty now because you know what you're doing is yeah. not right and so I've now entered into that phase and last night he was like I think he needed the party and Rhett and I were both exhausted and it was late and I had changed his nappy 
and it was just before bath time, so I decided I wasn't going to put another nappy on him. So I said to him, come, let's go change. I've, I was about to change his nappy. I see, he was uh, sitting having his dinner. I said, come, let's go change your nappy in the bedroom. And he was like, no, mommy, I want to change my nappy here in front of the TV. So before I could answer, Rick was like, no, if you want to poo in your nappy, then you will not have the pleasure of having a change in front of the TV. You will go to your bedroom where it's boring and we'll change your nappy there. Otherwise, you can poo in the party and then you can go straight back to watching TV. So you choose. And I just looked at Rick and I was like, this kid is going to give a shit now mm. about this and I don't have it in me <laughs> to follow this through. So I look at Rick. Obviously, I'm not going to undermine his authority. He's trying to discipline the kid. Yeah. So I look at him, he looks at me, he's like, I don't really have the resolve right now. He <laughs> says. I was like, well, whatever you decide. He's like, it's okay, I tried. Let him go. <laughs> and so I suppose we're also, that's not right in terms of discipline because that's you've got to stick thing. to your guns. That's the thing, it's hard. It's mm. effort. Discipline takes effort. So um, I did kind of seek out expert advice on our behalf. Which I'm grateful for because I am completely friggin' clueless. And again, like with most topics kids related, what is the right way? Someone, you read this blog, you read that magazine article, you read this, and then you have the judgment from other parents. And what is right and what is wrong? Look, I gotta say, you're screwed either way. Someone is gonna judge you. So you just need to trust your gut and. And go with it. And I think that's not just discipline. I think that's all types of parenting. You just need to really have the resolve um, between you and your spouse, be on the same page and go for it. And that's the advice that I got from Derek Jackson. Derek is, I have to say, 78 years old and still on it, guys. He is giving lectures. He's given lectures worldwide and shared a platform with some parenting greats. And so I called him up and I was just like help us Derek we need you on to the interview Derek so my podcast partner Charlene and I have three little ones between us um all under the age of three the eldest will be three in January so we've got a three-year-old uh, she's got a three-year-old I've got an almost two-year-old and then she's got an almost one-year-old um she'll be one in December and quite frankly we need your help right. <laughs> so tantrums abound this is where we're headed and um, you know we're, we're, we just need some guidance from you so that's why we're here and we know our, our listeners do too so essentially how soon is too soon to start disciplining your child I can give you the exact day you should start disciplining with Give children. it to me. Give it to me. The exact day. <laughs> the day the child becomes mobile, crawling mm. and getting into danger and mischief. Mm-hmm. And that, as you know, is round about seven months old. Mm-hmm. Before that, no discipline at all. The parent's role is to meet every need of the child 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Discipline up until that time is child abuse. As the child starts to crawl and get into danger and mischief, if you don't get involved with discipline, then it will become parent abuse. So you start with discipline the day the child becomes mobile. So so what are you saying? Your child is crawling, you see um, him reaching for the plug socket, 
And you need to. That's the first act every child does. No yeah. research has been able to find out what that fascination <laughs> is. No, yeah. So you don't want you want the child to know he mustn't touch plugs. There are other things he mustn't touch a heater or whatever. So by the time the child is ten months old, that child must understand the meaning of the two most important words the child will ever learn in their life. And those two words are no means no and stop means stop. Mm-hmm. Discipline is all about self-control. Today we refer to it as impulse control. The child needs to be able to control their impulses. The child who doesn't learn to control their impulses has problems right through life. The first problem most of them pick up is they go to nursery school and they can't sit still because they've never been so they get wrongfully diagnosed as attention deficit disorder because they simply have no control over themselves they do whatever their impulses tell them to do as they grow older they uh, won't listen to the teacher in the classroom Uh, as they grow older they will get into fights and bad behavior with other children Eventually, a person who has no impulse control is exposed to things like drugs and alcohol abuse. And as adults also, uh, serial affairs when they marry because they've never learned to control impulses. They don't know no No means means no no. and stop means stop. So you've got to have that in their heads by the time they turn 10 months old, for sure. And what does that mean? You go, you reach for them, you put the hand away... And you say, no. Right. Child is going towards the plug. Mm -hmm. You say, no, you don't touch plugs. Very assertively. The child won't know what you mean, but if you don't use language, they don't learn language. They don't listen to you, so you pick them up and you take them away and put them down. They will immediately go back to the plug. You pick them up and say, no, you don't touch plugs plugs and you take them away and you keep on doing that until they stop doing it eventually after a few months they will uh, get the message what no means no i'm thinking about my youngest grandchild isla she's now four we knew she had learned that word just before she turned 10 months old she was going towards the plug and as she got about a meter away she turned around with a wicked smile on her face and said, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then you know the child's got the She's message. comprehended it. And she might test your boundaries at some point. Right. But I, I would say from hearing what you have to say, the point is to be consistent. Consistency and is the key to discipline and assertiveness. Mm. Those are the two keys. Um, Derek, my child is almost two, as I mentioned. And... Um, I mean, actually, I I don't have many problems with him apart from the usual let me take you out of harm's way. But when he does do things that I need to um, implement boundaries, I've started using the naughty corner and recently read that maybe you shouldn't call it the naughty corner. Maybe you should call it the quiet corner. What is your take on this quiet corner and is it age appropriate? Right, you you say the quiet corner. I prefer, I think, the room where the uh, family gather. Mm-hmm. 
you should have a mat about a meter square. We used to call it, like say, the naughty mat. Mm-hmm. Today we're more politically correct. We call it the quiet mat or the grow good mat. Grow good. I love that. I love so that. the child, the younger child goes towards the older brother and wants to pluck his eye out. That's another thing they all like to do. Mm-hmm. And you don't want the eye plucked out. <laughs> so you take the child away and you say, no, you can't touch your brother's eyes. You go into the grow good mat for two minutes. Again, the child hasn't got a clue what two minutes is. And two minutes is a long time in a young child's life. Mm-hmm. So you put them down. Now you've got to ignore that negative behavior because now she's going to start acting out. So you put her down on the naughty mat and she won't stay there. So you hold her down by the ankles for two minutes. How is that ignoring her? In that time, you don't make eye contact with her and you don't speak to her. You hold her down for two minutes. After the two minutes, you say, right, now you can go and play if you don't touch your brother's eye. She goes immediately to the brother's eye. You pick her up, you put her on the grow good mat, another. Any behavior that you find unacceptable, if you are consistent and you target it in one afternoon, you'll teach them not to do that. Once they've learned, no means no. Um, You'll have to give them a refresher course every week or two, <laughs> but uh, they will get the message. I'm, I'm just thinking what would happen with my child. So I'm thinking like a parent and I'm, I'm kind of thinking of what would happen if I were to do that with him. He would be wriggling around quite a bit. You mentioned holding them by the ankles. So then he's wriggling, but you're quite firm, not hurting them, obviously, I'm assuming. Uh, and uh, he wriggles, but you kind of still no eye contact, and you hold on to that two minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like the with any negative attention-seeking behavior, like temper tantrums, mm. like um, uh, sulking. Uh, when a child starts seeking attention negatively, it's a sign that we all are guilty of. We're not giving them enough attention. Mm. And children soon realize I get attention when I'm naughty. A child would rather have a smack than no attention at all. Mm. So they're always looking for your attention. And so uh, you're not giving them attention. And so they'll have a temper tantrum on the kitchen floor for whatever reason. Now, the way to handle that is you ignore that negative behavior until it ceases. I don't care if it takes two hours. If you give up after an hour and a half, you'll have to start all over again the next day. So you ignore, you let them have that temper tantrum for an hour and a half, two hours, whatever. No attention. You read a book, go for a walk in the garden, whatever. So that's the first part to it. The second part is even more important. Once the temper tantrum stops, then you give them attention. Now that's a nice smile on your face. Let's go and play hide and go seek or whatever. Mm. So you are changing the mindset to be conditioned to know I get attention when I'm positive, not when I'm negative. Mm. So probably at this point as a parent, you are, you've also just had it. You are at your wit's end and let's say it's been that feared hour and a half mm. of thrashing about and mm. complete temper tantrums. 
Or you, crying. That's the you know, whatever, yeah. whatever there. Now, but that's the last thing par- you want to do. Parents get terrified by crying. Mm. I say there are three reasons why a child cries and you take the uh, appropriate action. The first reason why children cry is because they have been physically or emotionally hurt. Their reaction to that is to give them love and attention and empathy. Because right? mm-hmm. they legitimately are crying legitimately. Second reason why children cry is to create negative attention. Mm. Your action there is, as I said, ignore, ignore, ignore. My common sense tells me the third reason why children cry is because they enjoy crying. No human being, child or adult, does something voluntarily and repeatedly if they don't enjoy what they're doing. So they are getting some form of satisfaction from that. Mm. So let them cry. Don't let it phase you. Mm. I would phase my grandchildren. Mother drops them, goes off to work, they start crying. Now, most people, oh, stop crying. No, they make a big fuss and it just adds to their, they know they're getting attention. I would say, cry louder, mommy can't hear you. Come, I'll help you cry. Let's cry, let's cry much louder. And you get absolutely phased and they would stop. So <laughs> you don't make a fuss about mm. anything that's getting their attention in a negative mm. way. So my um, role as a parent is that positive reinforcement. When they positive. do... When they do behave better, and it's it's just something to remember as a parent because you are at your wit's end at some points, and you just need to keep a straight head about it. And most of us, because we're all human, then we get into a temper and we start shouting, and that's just giving the child the uh, idea that oh, this is the way to get mom's attention Mm. or dad's attention. I am really working them up. The calmer you are with children, the calmer they will be. I promise you. My daughter drops the two children here at six o'clock in the morning. At half past five, before uh, they come, at half past five, I take two rescue remedies. And by the time they arrive, I'm in a lovely, tranquil mood. And I don't get upset when they do something really upsetting to me. Uh, I'm calm and they're much calmer. Stay calm. And I'm assuming that's what you're going to tell me uh, when I ask you my next question. And that is the dreaded three words for every parent. Public temper tantrums. Now, in public, your ch- you say you're in a supermarket. Mm. There is lots of noise in a supermarket. A child crying isn't interfering with anybody. So your child is having a temper tantrum in the supermarket. Walk away. Pretend you're carrying on with your shopping. You'll obviously keep an eye out, but don't let them see it sitting there. They will cry louder and louder, and then some old granny will come and say, your children ought to be taken away from you. Mm -hmm. And you say, yes, would you like to take them? (laughs) I promise you they never accept the offer. But if you're in public, like you're in a doctor's consulting room, now your child has a temper tantrum. That's not fair on the other patients. Mm. So then you take the child out, close the door, and do what you think you have to do to get that child to stop that temper tantrum. Okay. But the point is, remain calm throughout. Remain calm. Mm. I think it's easier said than done, but 
it's definitely it's something that we all need to Parenting to isn't as at. hard as it's cracked up to be, but it's not as easy as it's cracked up to be. Definitely not. Definitely mm. not. That's a recurring theme on this show. It's um, difficult, but we do it. Mm. Um, what are your biggest discipline no-no's? Anything dangerous, anything destructive, and your children must learn respect for other people. What is dangerous and destructive? Running across a road, climbing over a swimming pool fence, refusal to sit in a car restraint. That can't be tolerated. Mm. If you tolerate anything like that, you are guilty of child abuse by neglect. Mm. Derek, one huge contentious issue that a lot of people just, it's like politics and religion. Uh, mm. Smacking or spanking your child, what is your take on that? Right, now, I'm pretty clear on that. Smacking should be reserved for life-threatening situations only. Running across a road, climbing over a swimming pool fence, refusal to sit in a car restraint. Exactly that, what you mentioned now is uh, destructive. That or, is mm. dangerous and destructive. Mm. Now, so that's the first thing. Life-threatening situations only. And then under the age of four, restricted to that. Why under the age of four? Up until four, 90% of a child's learning comes through the sense of touch. Mm. They are tactile dominant. They learn by touching and feeling. They don't look at a stone. They've got to pick it up, touch it, and it always goes to a second tactile point, and every mother knows where that is, the mouth. Mm. They pick a flower, touch it, goes to the mouth. Dogs poo, pick it up, goes to the mouth. So they learn through the sense of touch. Now, I see these intellectual mothers of today. A child runs across a road and nearly gets killed. And the mother sits down and intellectualizes with this 18-month-old child. My darling, a BMW coming down the road at 100 kilometers an hour has a braking distance of 75 meters. <laughs> You'll never get that message through to an 18-month-old. So you've got to use, this is life-threatening, you've got to use the method that the child comprehends at that stage of development, and that is the sense of touch. So you give them one sharp smack on the bottom, only the bottom, nowhere else on the body where there's usually a nappy or mm, it is, some cushioning. It is, the object of the smack is not to cause pain. And I say that again, the object of the smack is not to cause pain. The object of the smack is to reinforce your verbal command with a sense of touch that the child learns through best at that stage. No instrument of punishment, not wooden spoons, not slippers, not belts, iron bars, whatever. Only the hand. Why the hand? Because as loving parents, when your child runs across a road and nearly gets killed, you panic and you get upset and you overreact. Mm. If you overreact with a wooden spoon, you're going to seriously damage that child. But if you overreact and smack that child too hard with your hand, your hand stings and that should give you the tactile feedback, I'm out of control, I must stop this. Mm. Why would you still smack a six-year-old? By six, the child 
the percentage of learning that comes to the child through the sense of touch uh, drops dramatically. And one of the reasons why we're still having such problems with discipline in schools worldwide is parents are still smacking school-going children. Neither the principal nor the teacher is allowed to smack them almost anywhere in the world. So they go to school, they only respond to being smacked, and you've uh, taken the power away from the teacher and the principal mm. because they don't get smacked at school. Mm. So in your child's educational interests alone, you don't smack a child after four years old. So how can you work with the teachers and the principal when your child gets your, older? Your child must have learned by the time they go to school to respond to commands and requests without being smacked. Derek, what about the late bloomers in discipline? Um, maybe you were able to handle the toddler age, but when they get a bit more physically demanding, a bit later, you realize you're, you're out of your depth. Uh, maybe you have some extra children down the road. You were able to handle one, but now that you have three, your eldest is really testing the boundaries and you hadn't been implementing discipline until then and you realized it's a, you're a bit of a late bloomer, as I mentioned. What advice do you have for now those you've parents? you've got to sit down and have a set of rules. Mm. And the parents decide the rules. And I've got six rules that I advise all parents there. These six rules are found in functional families all over the world. They are simple, you know them all. And if you ask any child from five years old, to 18 years old, what rules should we have in our home? You'll get all of these rules back, I promise you. There's a time to go to bed at night. There's a time to get up in the morning. That is... Rule number one. There's a time to eat. You never force a child to eat. When you force a child to eat, you create the seeds of an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. You don't have to force your child to eat cabbage. The body will tell them to eat cabbage when the body needs cabbage. So gone are the days where you need to clear your plate. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So food is put out for a reasonable amount of time. If it's not eaten after a reasonable amount of time, it's taken away and they wait for the next meal. They don't fill up with sweets, chocolates, cakes and cold drinks in between. Okay, they ask for something in between and they hadn't eaten their meal and they say, Mommy, Mommy, I want sure. this or that. You say, I'm sorry, the my boy. Is you wait for the next meal. Okay. Mm -hmm. Third, you tidy up after you've untidied. Mm -hmm. You get them into the habit of tidying up. Once a day, at the end of the day, they must tidy up after they've untidied. Mm -hmm. Help you tidy up after they've untidied. Okay. Fourth rule, and that applies obviously when they go to school, there's a time to do your homework. Fifth rule, there's a time to have your bath, your ablutions before you go to bed. And the sixth rule, you speak to your mother and father with respect. If you allow your child to speak to you with disrespect, They'll speak to other people with disrespect and that'll have serious social consequences because other mothers don't want a child playing with their children if they are disrespectful. Mm. So then they end up only playing with other children whose parents don't uh, have respect uh, enhanced in their family. Mm. 
So when it comes to starting a bit late, that's what you would would suggest. In, in take those you, six you rules. See, you take those six rules right from the time that uh, from the only one that you would wait for is tidying up after you. And research says about 17 months old you start. Very simple things. They just pick up a plastic block and put it in the box. Stick at it every night, every day. They will soon do a little bit more each day. But they tidy up after them at the end of the day. Not a perfectionistic mother that you're tidying up all day and they hate tidying up. Mm-mm. Once a day. Once a day. That's important to learn. And then mothers say, but I can't get my four-year-old to tidy up. I say then make an appointment with the nursery school principal to observe tidy up time at your child's classroom and you will see one teacher get 20 children to tidy up. That's amazing, isn't it? And if one teacher can get 20 children to tidy up, two parents can get one child to tidy up. You see, consistency is the key to discipline. Derek, one last question and that... um kind of ties in with what you were saying now that gets you know if one teacher can get 20 kids to tidy up for instance two parents can get one child to tidy up on that note of the two parents okay barring uh, we must remember that we've got some single parents and divorced parents and um you know absent fathers or absent mothers or, or whatnot but assuming the child has two caregivers that is often difficult to navigate because that's two different ways. My husband grew up differently to what I did and our parents implemented discipline differently. And so going into our marriage, it's something we've had to really speak about and negotiate. And so what is your advice on that, getting parents essentially on the same page? Before you lay down rules for your children, husband and wife must sort that out. Husband comes from a home with a set of rules he believes are sacred. A wife comes from a home where different rules were sacred. So you've got to have a discussion about rules. And that's why I offer those six rules as an outside referee. Uh, and I don't believe any parent, I've never had the feedback from every any parent in 30 years of talking about discipline, who've come back to me and said we couldn't agree on those six rules because they are reasonable, they give your family an order and a structure and a routine and predictability. As soon as there is confusion about the rules uh, and you are not the uh, leader in the family, the child will uh, push you and push you and push you and push you. So you've got to be clear about the rules and husband supporting her. Now just coming back to the single parent, I get these mothers who ask questions and start off by saying, I'm a single mom. I say, why do you label yourself as a single mom? I've never had a lady that stood up and said, I'm a married mother. So why are you like, you just say making an excuse for yourself before mm. you even start. Mm. And I can, and I always say, and I'm talking in an audience of 300 parents at a school, I say, I can tell you now, if I had to put this question to this audience now, uh, wouldn't, who would prefer to be a single mother? Half the ladies in this audience would put up their hands and they all cheer and say yes. Because... Uh, Often the husband is more of a problem for the mother than the children are. So it's a matter of working together. If you're a single parent, deal with it. 
A single teacher can look after 30 children in a classroom. A single mother can look after three children at home. 100%. Uh, Derek, this has been wonderfully insightful. I could sit and talk to you all day about this, uh, but we don't have all the luxury of time. Thank you so much, Derek. I will put all our listeners in touch with you, your website, and your contact details. Thanks, Samantha. Nice talking to you. So look, I'm not saying that Derek is Jesus and that his book is the gospel, but that was helpful, right? I think so. To be honest, I expected his advice to be a lot more old school, but I found it very enlightening. I'm definitely going to use some of these tricks. You know, so I'm reading his book at the moment, and it, it definitely gives a lot of food for thoughts. And I would really love a listener in need, someone at their wit's end, to have a copy of this book too. So we're giving away a copy of Parenting with Panache to the first person who drops us an email telling us how amazing we are. No jokes. <laughs> we're giving away a book though. And to enter, you do need to drop us a mail and uh, just let us know that you do want the book. That's it. Not a lot of hoops or loops or tricks, just good old fashioned email will get you into the draw. So guys, get cracking on that. Our address is thegreatequalizer.za at gmail.com Also, don't forget about our Kid Lit Week. This is our week of children's books. We're giving away a Sammy the Starfish book package, which includes the book, a flashcard reminding children of what to do when they're feeling sad, and a Sammy the Starfish beanbag. This is a great all-encompassing Christmas gift for a little one in your life. So guys, absolutely. I'm in love with Sammy the Starfish. Head on over to the blog, see what... um, Philippa Marassi is all about. Also, don't forget about Christine Bernard, another author Avenger that we wrote about. We're giving away one copy of each of her books, Dear Human, Love Dog, and Dear Human, Love Cat. If you've got pets in your life, this is an ideal book. These are ideal books for your little ones. And then one lucky listener also gets a kid kids book club uh, Christmas bag valued at two hundred rand. And it's filled like. To, to the, the brim, brim with activities mm. and a brand new book over Christmas time. Um, so also, if you haven't been following our Kid Lit Week blog posts that just recently finished up, head on over to our website immediately, www.thegreatequalizerza.com um, to catch yourself up on our Kid Lit Week, a week of children's books, and stand a chance to win with The Great Equalizer. And that's it then for this week. Until next time, keep your mom game strong. For more on today's show, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizerza.com or catch us on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or on Facebook. If you want something a little bit more personal, email us at thegreatequalizer.za at gmail.com and we'll get back to you.